Well, grace and peace to you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We are so glad that you're here today and want to welcome you and welcome all those who are visiting online. Uh, we did have an update on our sister, LaVon Nunn. She is at the Columbus Oaks Rehab Center in Columbus, and she's in room 515, if you would like, and uh, to go and visit her. Um, they, they were talking about earlier this week that uh, she may have to have another surgery, but she was going to have to go to MD Anderson for that. And so continue to keep her in your prayers, if you will. So uh, we are continuing this in a series on the Bible and, and mental health. And this morning, we're turning our attention to another major mental health problem in our country, and that is anxiety. And so according to the National Institute of Mental Health, an estimated 19.1% of adults had an anxiety disorder this past year. And the numbers are even higher for women and, uh, than men and higher for teens than adults. An estimated 31.1% of adults experience an anxiety disorder at some point in their lives. According to Dr. Joseph Mercola, anxiety is now 800% more prevalent than all forms of cancer. And so you're much more likely to suffer an anxiety disorder than you are to have cancer. So about two out of 10 adults have experienced some anxiety disorder within the last year, and about three out of 10 adults will experience one in their lifetime. And these statistics here reflect uh, people who have experienced a disorder. And so they don't reflect the many others who experience anxiety in some other way or some other form. Well, anxiety, like depression, is a mental issue that touches all of our lives. You know, if we have not experienced it ourselves, then we know someone who has. There are people here this morning, people that I've visited with, who have suffered from anxiety. And so this is something that, that we can't ignore, something that we can't look away from. Anxiety is also a mental issue, but the effects of it are not limited to our mind. And so just ask anyone who's ever experienced a panic attack what that feels like. Uh, and some say that it feels like you're having a heart attack. Others say it feels like you're dying. And so we feel anxiety in our body. And this is true of other mental issues like depression and burnout. And so it's important to remember that when we're talking about mental issues, we need to understand that these issues are not limited to the mind. We are complex beings. We are made up of mind, body, and spirit. And, and all of these parts are related. They're interconnected. And so anxiety affects us physically and spiritually as well as mentally. And this also means that caring for all the parts of ourselves is going to help with our mental health. As we begin, we also need to recognize that there are different forms of anxiety. And so not all anxiety is bad. You know, we may feel some anxiety when we're up against a deadline. You know, we have to turn in a report, we have to complete a project, and our anxiety may cause us to get to work and complete what we need to get done. And as long as that anxiety does not paralyze us or inhibit us in any way, then 
that's something that can be beneficial. It can help us accomplish what we need to accomplish. There's also anxiety that we have control over. And so maybe it's something that we bring upon ourselves. We place ourselves in a situation that we know is going to cause us anxiety. Or we surround ourselves with voices that make us anxious. We might allow certain thoughts to permeate our minds, even though they cripple us and they're not good for us. And so these are all forms of anxiety in which we exercise some control. We can do something about the situations that we place ourselves in. We can do something about the voices that we surround ourselves with. We can do something about the thoughts that we allow to take over our minds. And so when we begin to experience anxiety, we need to ask ourselves, you know, do I have any control over this anxiety? Maybe yes, maybe no, but, but we need to ask that question, figure out what type of anxiety we're experiencing. Another type is diagnosable forms of anxiety, and there are many of these. They may be caused by a chemical imbalance, they may be hereditary, or they could be brought on from other circumstances. And these are more serious and sometimes require medication, counseling, and other forms of therapy. And so not all anxiety is the same. You know, the anxiety that we experience before a deadline is not all like the anxiety that someone experiences if they're, you know, suffering from OCD or a panic attack. And so it's essential that we allow people to describe their own experiences rather than assume that we know how they feel. So we want to get to what does Scripture have to say about anxiety? And the Bible, just like depression last week, directly addresses anxiety. And some of us are aware of these passages. And we may have understood them in ways that are not really helpful or even accurate to the context of the text. Some of us may have even experienced shame or guilt over the years because of our misunderstanding of these passages that deal with anxiety. We know the Bible says that we should not be anxious. And so we may think of ourselves as not being very good Christians because we constantly experience anxiety. And so the first point I'm going to give you is very important. If you don't get anything else today, get this first point. Anxiety is not a sin. Anxiety is not a sin. Now you might be wondering about what's going on in passages like Matthew 6, Luke chapter 12, Philippians 4. And each of these passages tell us not to be anxious. So I want to look at one of them today, and I'll go with Luke 12. Luke 12 and Matthew 6 are very, very similar. And it says this, And Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you'll eat, nor about your body, what you'll put on. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens, they neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor bond, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you're not able to do as small a thing as that, 
Why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you? Oh, you of little faith, and do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Now, it's clear here that Jesus does not want anyone to be anxious. But he also does not say it's a sin to be anxious. Anxiety is something that is not right with the world. It is similar to death. We all experience death, but it's not a sin to die. And yet God does not want us to die. And so death was not a part of God's original creation. Death is something that's brought in later. Death is something that is not right with the world. This is why we grieve when we lose a loved one. We are expressing an emotion to something that should not be so. And we can experience things that are not right, but this does not necessarily mean they are a sin. And anxiety is one of these. What's happening in Luke 12 and also in Matthew 6 is that Jesus is inviting us into a better way of living. And so he wants us to experience life without anxiety. He wants us to experience an abundant life. And then he gets specific on how we can do this. Now, we need to understand that Jesus is addressing anxiety that we ourselves have control over. He's not talking about chemical imbalances here. He's talking about something that we can do something about. So he says, for instance, And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? How many of us allow things that are out of our control to make us anxious? Are you anxious about the economy? Are you anxious about climate change? Are you anxious about the upcoming elections? Are you anxious about the next generation? Are you anxious about what's on the news? Are you anxious about what someone else believes? And we could go on and on and on. We can become quite anxious, quite worried about things that are totally out of our control. And Jesus says to us, don't. Don't do it. Don't live like that. Don't live like the rest of the world. Don't be like the nations and worry about things that you know we have no control over. There's a much better way to live. And so rather than watch the TV, rather than listen to the news, rather than you know, watch the stock market, rather than all of these things that only make us anxious, he gives us 
what we're to do. He says, instead of this, seek first the kingdom of God. And so if you want to be less anxious, more joyful, and have more fulfillment in life, do what Jesus says to do. Stop worrying. Seek first the kingdom of God. That's the point there in Luke 12 and Matthew 6. And we find something similar in Philippians 4. There we're told not to be anxious, but to pray instead. And so rather than obsess over the economy or climate change or whatever it is, we're to take this concern to God, give it to him, and then get busy living. You know, there are many people in this world who miss out on life because they're anxious about something they have no control over. They miss out on life with their kids and with their grandkids. They fail to have meaningful relationships with others. They're robbed of joy because they are obsessed with things that they are never going to be able to change. And this is what Jesus is addressing in these passages. There's a better way to live if we'll listen to Jesus and follow him. Second, if you're experiencing anxiety, be kind to yourself. You know, there are various reasons for anxiety, and one of them is self-judgment. And so we're hard on ourselves. We beat ourselves up. Some people are harder on themselves than they'll ever be to, to others. We get down on ourselves because we may not feel like we're winning at life or we just you know, are upset at a mistake that we made or whatever. Cut yourself some slack. It's okay to be nice to yourself. And I want us to look at the second greatest command, and, and we all know this command, we're familiar with it, we're to love our neighbors, but sometimes we miss the rationale for this command. So it says in Mark 12, 31, the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Amen. There is no other commandment greater than these. And so did you catch it there? He says, we're to love our neighbor as ourself. The basis for love of neighbor is love of self. And if we do not love ourselves properly, then it's going to be difficult for us to love our neighbor. Now, I recognize we have to be careful here. Because the Bible says in this passage we're to love ourselves, but it also says we're not to think too highly of ourselves. And so we have to to recognize that over the years, the emphasis on self-esteem, that's something that can lead to narcissism. It can lead to self-righteousness and and other um, bad qualities. However, there is a difference between being puffed up and just being kind to ourselves. Having compassion on ourselves does not demand that we also have an inflated view of who we are. One is okay and one is not. It's okay to love ourselves. It's okay not to get down on ourselves for insignificant things. God wants us to be kind. He wants us to be kind to others and he wants us to be kind to ourselves as well. Third, for those experiencing anxiety, how you think matters. And so there's an emphasis throughout Scripture on how 
we think. I'm just going to give you a few passages. I can give you many more, but, but here's just a, a mix of passages that focus on, on, on how we think and the importance of thinking. For as he thinks within himself, so he is. Proverbs 23, 7. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Romans 12, 2. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. 2 Corinthians 10.5 And set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. Colossians 3.2 And many of these statements go right along with what Jesus is saying in Luke 12 and Matthew 6. How we think each and every day matters. What we set our minds on is important. And part of becoming a Christian is changing the way we think. If you haven't gone through that transformation and you're calling yourself a Christian, then something's wrong. You need to you know, transform how you think. How you think after you're baptized should be different than how you thought before you were baptized. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus was addressing this relationship between our mind and our feelings. And what he said is something that is acknowledged by psychologists today. And so Jesus was ahead of his time. In the book, Coping with Anxiety, psychologists Edmund Bourne and Lorna Garant state the following. The truth is that it's what we say to ourselves in response to any particular situation that mainly determines our mood and feelings. In other words, how we think can determine whether or not we're going to be anxious. And if we want to feel less anxious, then we can work on changing the way we think. Now, you might be you know, hearing this and, and, and thinking, well, that's just, that's impossible. But it's not. Our brains are really great at adapting and changing. And, and the more that scientists look at this, the, the more they're understanding it, and it's just amazing. Um, and we can do this, how, how we change our brains, by incorporating new habits in our lives. And guess what? Christians have understood this for a long, long time. We don't need neuroscientists to tell us about it. Um, this is why in times past, Christians have emphasized things such as spiritual disciplines. Because we, we know that changing our habits can change how we think. And it can lead us to living abundant and less anxious lives. Okay, fourth, if you're being overwhelmed by anxious thoughts, learn to recognize unhelpful ways of thinking. And so not every thought that goes through our brain is good or helpful. Some thoughts can be harmful. Some thoughts can cause unnecessary feelings like worry or anxiety. And so we need to be able to recognize good thoughts from bad thoughts, helpful thoughts from unhelpful thoughts. And maybe the best place to start is just start with prayer. Psalm 139 gives us a prayer to pray 
when discerning the things that go on in our brains. And so it's uh, Psalm 139, verses 23 through 24. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. And so this, the way everlasting here is just another phrase for abundant life. It's the path of life. And so this is a prayer calling on God to help us recognize what is not good in our minds, what is not helpful in our minds, and then to lead us into a better way of thinking and living. And so what are some of these unhelpful thoughts? I want to give you a few. Um, J.P. Moreland in his book, Finding Quiet, provides a list. And and so here are just a a few of the things that uh, he found that was creating anxiety in his life and, and also the lives of others. And I'll just run through this kind of quickly. Um, If you want this from me later, I'll be happy to give it to you. And so he talks about all or nothing thinking. So if you're not perfect, or if you get anything wrong, then you're a total failure. Not very reasonable here. You kind of, again, beat yourself up. I I did this thing wrong. I'm no good at all. Or overgeneralizing. I always do that. Well, do we really always do that? Probably not. But you know, there's something in our mind that's telling us something that's untrue, unhelpful. A mental filter. And so you pick out a single negative detail and you dwell on it. You ever done that? You had an experience, maybe you're having a conversation or you're doing something with a job. And for the most part, it goes really, really well. But there's one thing you did wrong and and you can't get past that one thing. And you just focus, focus, focus on it. Discounting the positive. If you did a good job, you tell yourself that anyone could have done it. Jumping to conclusions. You interpret others' actions, tone of voice, or body language in a negative way. And so again, what are we assuming about others? Uh, As Christians, we should be assuming the best. We shouldn't be assuming the worst. Magnification. You exaggerate your weaknesses or the harmful aspects of events that have happened or may happen. Emotional reasoning, you believe that reality is the way you feel. We addressed this last week when we were talking about depression. We have to remember to surround ourselves with truths that we know to be true and and, and believe in those rather than just our feelings. Inappropriate should statements. I should avoid being around people because they will see what a loser I am. Self-labeling, I made a mistake, so I'm a loser. And self-blame, you blame yourself for events that are outside of your control. So again, this is just a standard list of some of the things that we tell ourselves that are untrue, that are unhelpful. And when these thoughts come into our minds, we can recognize them and we can say right away, this is not true, this is not helpful, I'm going I'm to get past this I'm going to put this thought away. I'm going to focus on something else. You know, some experts estimate that 85% of the things that we worry about never happen. Just think about that. And this goes directly back to what Jesus said 
in the Sermon on the Mount and also in Luke 12. We rob ourselves of meaningful life when we worry about things that may never happen or worry about things that are out of our control. We can't do anything about it. And we cause ourselves pain and suffering when we dwell on things that are just not helpful to us in any way at all. So finally, if you're dealing with anxiety, know that you're not alone. I want you to think about these two passages. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, No temptation is overtaking you that is not common to man. And then 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9, Be sober-minded, be watchful, Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of sufferings are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And so we're never alone in our temptations. We're never alone in our sufferings. When we talk about mental illnesses, whether they be depression, anxiety, or something else. We can easily believe we're all alone. That's one of the lies that we tell ourselves. We we can tell ourselves that, that, that our situation is unique. We can convince ourselves that no one knows what I'm experiencing. And again, all that is a lie. We're not alone. There are people all around us who have similar stories, Similar temptations and similar struggles. You're going into this series, I I didn't know what to expect. But the greatest blessing that I have experienced is all the things that you have shared with me. I have had more conversations with people related to this series than any other series that I have preached. Your stories, your struggles that you've expressed to me, they, they, they bless my life in, in multiple different ways. And here's the thing that I want us to know about this. We sit here every Sunday, often not knowing what the person right next to us is struggling with. We come and we put on a smile. When someone asks, we tell them, I, I'm doing fine. And we hide our struggles. And we keep them to ourselves. And we try to tackle them on our own. And that's not an easy thing to do. In fact, a lot of times it's impossible. We're just going to keep struggling and struggling and struggling because we're trying to do it all by ourselves. A much better way is the biblical way. It's to know that there is no shame or judgment in our struggles. It's to know that there are people all around us who are struggling with some of the very same things. It's to know that we have a church family that is ready and willing to help us carry our burdens. So it may feel like you're alone at times, but you're not. You're never alone. And so I hope these truths here from Scripture will help you. I I know that they cannot fix everything. 
You know, so, some people are suffering from anxiety and it's a biological issue, it's a psychological issue, and, and maybe it's something that's just out of your control. And, and we need to recognize that and, and our prayers are with you and, and we're here for you in any way that, that we can help you or be of assistance. But we also need to understand that mental health is a biblical issue. That God is concerned about our mental well-being. And there is wisdom in the Bible for whatever it is you're struggling with. And so when life gets difficult, we need to cling to the truths that we find in Scripture. And so we'll conclude with these truths again. Never forget that God loves you. He really does. And there's nothing that can separate you from the love of God. And you have a church family that loves you. You have brothers and sisters in Christ who care for you and are willing to help you with whatever your struggle may be. And also God and your church family, they, they need you. You are an important part of this church. You're an important part of the kingdom of God. And so don't give up. You are needed. Won't you uh, stand this morning and we will receive this blessing from the book of Numbers. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace.